Hey guys, welcome to the We Need to Calm Down podcast. I'm Devin. And I'm Joe. And this is a show where we talk about all things Taylor Swift. That's right. This is the show where two friends finally get to let their dedication to winner of the 2020 Album of the Year Grammy, Taylor Swift, fly. Prediction. Quick break. Our prediction was correct. If you want to see our reaction to the Grammys and Taylor's momentous win, check us out on YouTube where you can see our performance reaction video. Devin, finish this intro. We'll be discussing everything from song breakdowns, Taylor news, and our insane fan theories. That's right. But today we have a, we actually have a quick, and maybe not even that quick intro to talk about because Taylor just keeps dropping bombshells. Uh, Devin, what happened? Wildest Dreams, Taylor's version has been released into the world. Just a little snippet in the spirit untamed trailer which is you think about it such a weird place to have it but there's just so many implications behind this the first one 1989 taylor is determined to make us completely wrong with every prediction we come up with because we predicted clearly 1989 has to be the second to last album she puts out because it's so recent why would she release such a recent it doesn't matter to taylor Swift. she'll do what she does whatever she wants and so a really cool thing that i found out on tiktok i forget who it was a couple people were talking about this so i don't know who to credit properly but the rolling stones theory where she had four different um covers of rolling stone that she posted on her instagram i think in 2019 and there were all different colors. So the first one she posted was this image of her in this yellow outfit, uh, and it's it's golden like daylight, which was four words, and she had a yellow heart. So fearless on the fourth month of the year, which was April, which we know is true. Yeah. And then the second one she posted was her in a blue outfit with the blue background. And it was, if I'm correct, I'm doing this off the top of my head. It's blue, the feeling I got, which was six words with a blue heart. Sixth month of the year, June. This is also when Spirit Untamed is coming out. If you looked on our Instagram, there's another little funny joke I make about the June image that she used in the Spirit Untamed trailer. It's also Taylor yeah, Swift, but you it's know what? I didn't I didn't notice that that was the by colors. Mm-hmm. I, that, I know. Like, you said this to me, and I was like, "How am I supposed to just know what this means?" And because I'm just not as ingrained in it. And you were like, "You are a fool." <laughs> I I breathe this this conspiracy theory. It's in my veins. Um, then the next one was I want to say it was um, not speak now. It was. Um, Next was red. Red, yes. Um, I used to think love would be burning red. I believe that was it. And there was eight, which means it would come out in August. And then the last one was purple. And I completely forget what that was, but the implication was November. It was not, It was 11 words. I don't remember yeah. what the words were. Exactly. Um, it was really interesting about that theory, too, is... Well, for one, it's two months, two months, two months, three months, which is interesting, mm-hmm. which makes me gives me a little bit of implications of p- potentially what vault songs come out with Speak Now. She might have a much larger release for that one, similar to what she did with uh, Fearless. There was another theory that I saw that like kind of tacking onto that that said that 
uh, then after after that, the next re-release would be Reputation in November 2022. And you're thinking to yourself now, but what about self-titled? And mm-hmm. they said that self-titled would be the last uh, one she puts out because now she owns it all, and now it's now it's Taylor Swift. Okay. Yeah, because I mean, would it be Taylor Swift Taylor's version? Like that's what's funny. But like, I like that. Like, it's a nice. The first thing she ever put out is the last thing that mm-hmm. she does, and it's it's now it's fully hers. It's fully encompassing in Taylor Swift, and I think poetically that's awesome. That does like I mean that's a whole year of no re-releases until then. But I mean, if she's dropping them that quickly, like mm-hmm. two months, two months, three months, like we're gonna have almost all of them throughout the end of the year that's insane so much content so much content uh the other thing that's really interesting with wildest dreams specifically another person pointed out that taylor never let her music be used in ads movie trailers anything like that because she didn't want scooter to get any money for it and Mm -hmm. now the announcements of her two lead singles coming out now are through an ad and through a movie trailer because she's getting the money for it now and i think that's absolutely beautiful and i'm here for it the fact that she's using that as her promotional tool for these albums like that's how she's secretly announcing the fact that there's going to be an album coming out has been so cool she's a slap she is just slapping him in the face and i am so here for it oh my gosh so do you want to talk about just wildest dreams oh my gosh i want like, what to is, what a song it it's my favorite song in 1989 by far it's not even close uh it's the song that if someone isn't into taylor but they're mildly into pop or just into great writing that's the song that i send them i had a friend who could not stand taylor swift did not like her at all but he said like that was that was the song like it's it's gorgeous music video is fantastic uh, i oh my it's so good. We were listening to yeah. it like all last night. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. It's a good time, but just even I saw that she's choosing to do 1989 because you're doing Fearless and then you're doing 1989, two critically acclaimed albums for mm-hmm. her. Like it would make sense to do them in order, but if you're going just off of what can we get the most, you know, media and press about, these were her two biggest albums which is funny because like it's 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 so weird that you say that because you say that and i think like well yeah but was it like red was i feel like red was the most critically acclaimed too and like speak now probably is the least but to me it's the best one so it's just like you think about fearless with you belong with me and love story like these just giant propellers for her into this industry and then you think it's the most awarded country album of all time yeah, so. and then you think 1989, which was just another just skyrocket from her into like the pop world and people who really like people knew who she was, but this was just like the album for her it's, it's, that took it to another level. It's interesting because yeah, you think about Red and you try to find songs like Love Story or like Wildest Dreams or like You Belong with Me and stuff like that, and they're just not exactly there. Like. Red is good. We are never, ever getting back together. That's the first time we got one of those generic poppy, shake it off me songs that was kind of big. I Knew You Were Trouble was kind of big, but like none of them had the smash success of shake it off of love story. Like, but Mm -hmm. it's still, it's weird. It's like hailed by critics as the best thing she's ever done. 
Yeah. Which I don't disagree with. I mean, I love Red. Yeah. I don't disagree with it at all. Yeah. I, I, I the thing is, it's, it's funny because like, I don't, I don't care. Like, like honestly, they're all so good. Like, I'm excited to see what 1989 brings. I'm excited to see what bonus content comes with it. It's also interesting, like Red, like pushing that back. Like it, it kind of gives me the more of the will they, won't they release the all too well. So like I can mm. like keep myself in suspense for that. Two months for June, though. Two months for June. Like, I forgot that it's almost April. I know. Time has been flying way too quick. Yeah, insane. So, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm I'm here to, to listen to a lot of streams again, rebuy another album. I just hope that I get Fearless before I have to order 1989, because I'll be very angry. <laughs> I'm excited to see this album cover. Right? I think... Like, if she's going to try to replicate it like how she kind of did with fearless do you think she's i, I think she's immediately she's taking all the names off the record too i think it's just going to be a mm-hmm. picture i think that's what we're going to end up getting i don't know i'm excited i'm i'm excited just it's just so cool to see like a rebirth of all of this stuff and yeah have it all come back it's just a great time to be a taylor swift fan but what are we talking about today so, on this typical Tuesday night, we are talking about track four off of Evermore, which is Tis the Damn Season. The best track on the record. That was me last song breakdown, so I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, do you want to tell us a little bit about your favorite song on this album? Devin, I am dying to tell you about my favorite song in this album. So uh, we can start off, talk about this track for Tis the Damn Season is one of the story songs on the album, which means if you if you haven't really paid attention or anything like that, Taylor has been releasing a number of uh, songs that are like, uh, I don't know, their meanings are attached via string, invisible or otherwise, to a number of other songs in the album, similar to the love triangle that we saw in Folklore. So the other songs from this album are Gold Rush and Dorothea. There may be some others, but those are the definitive trio of songs that uh, is the general consensus among this, the audience and Taylor herself. If you haven't seen our, our episode regarding that theory, uh, the Dora theory episode, uh, definitely check that one out to see more of how these songs are connected. We're not going to go too depth into it this in this breakdown. But the song tells the story of an actress who is returning home for the holidays and catching up a past lover with a past lover. It is not happy. <laughs> no. It's funny in the in the liner notes of the album, Swift wrote that uh, one of the song storylines on Evermore was about what happens when Dorothea comes back from Hollywood for the holidays and rediscovers an old flame. So can't get a better description of it than that. It's my favorite song without contest since release. It's my phone background. I have a lyric on my phone case. I just bought a sweater with the song title on it. It's on a little mini marquee oh that I have. Oh my gosh. I can't get enough of this song. I can't get enough of these lyrics. If you haven't seen, I rate it number one. Uh, my most recent rating is the exact same. It's the first time I've ever been this consistent. I can't stop talking about the song. All right, go, Devin. So this was your number one song. And this was from, from the beginning to the end. Same rating, same number one song. Um, I ranked this song number three, and it ended at number two. So it just went up a little bit. It's not my favorite. It's no gold rush, but... I mean, number two it, isn't nothing to, to exactly. shake a stick at. Like, Out of 17 songs yeah. on this album? It's, yeah. Oh, it's just so good. And the story behind how she came about this song 
is just so funny too you know she wrote it the night following the first day of rehearsal for the uh, folklore long pond studio sessions so this was before evermore was even conceptualized mm-hmm. so aaron Dessner, the producer uh was talking to billboard about it and they stayed up late into the night they were like just playing music drinking chatting catching up and then Desner's like, okay, Taylor's going to go to bed. We're all going to go to sleep now. It's This is it. This was a fun time. See you later. And then the next morning at 9 a.m., Taylor was just like, hey, I wrote a song in the middle of the night. Here you go. I'm going to sing it to you now. Just, just in the middle <laughs> of the night, in her dreams, you should see the things she does. So he said, you know, my, my brain exploded because she sang it to me just like in my kitchen. It was just this amazing you know joe's number one song and he had written the music for the song like years ago and he never placed anything to it because he could never find the right lyrics to go with it and he said quote it meant something to me and it felt like the perfect song finally found it there's a feeling in it and she identified that feeling it's the feeling of the ache in you put there by the ache in me and i think everyone can relate to that it's one of my favorites so that's crazy that she had just heard this song for the first time, and she went, boom. Oh, I got it. I know, I know exactly what that feeling is. I'm so in touch with my emotions that I can instantly pinpoint the emotional feeling of a song and write about she it. She reverse Elton John did. Like, mm. it's... I I still... Like, I didn't know this until we started doing the research for the, for the song. And, like, just another song that she wrote overnight. Like, Lover, just, like... It's just this the amount of stuff like that's in this song that like blows my mind is is insane. And just to think that she just came up with all of these lyrics, all of this cadence, all of these like rhythms that she uses with like her words in like she he said we were up late playing, drinking and chatting. So it's, I don't know about you to me up late, maybe one a.m. So while yeah, one or two, one or two up drinking, drinking late at night. 1 a.m. to 9 a.m., eight hours, and she still slept somehow. Apparently, she doesn't, uh, but... Yeah, I... It's, it's incredible. It's just... Oh, my gosh. All right, so we're going to do a new a new segment on the, the song breakdowns. We're going to go with our first and current impressions. So, what... Uh, Devin, what was your first... What was our first impression of this song when we first heard it? So, when we saw the track listing... We were just like, tis the damn season. We're getting a Christmas song. It's a holiday song. I love it. And it just was not at all in the slightest. Like, I think I remember verbatim. We were like listening to it, doing the live reaction. And they're like, here we go. It's the holiday song. Jingle bells, Christmas time. And just nope. I I was expecting it to be like, I I like holiday songs a lot, but like, I like non-traditional holiday songs. Like I was hoping Mm -hmm. it would be similar to Fall Out Boy's You'll Shoot Your Eye Out Kid or or something like along those lines that's like just depressing and about Christmas. Like there's still like a vague, a faint Christmas vibe to it that like, you know, okay, this is meant to be played in this season, but it's not Mm -hmm. like your traditional up on the housetop, blah, blah, blah. So I was a little bit like my first listen, I was like a little disappointed. Like, oh, I wanted like I wanted like Christmases when you were mine or or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then I just didn't care. <laughs> it like the first listen definitely wasn't my favorite 
but like I definitely vibed, loved the bridge, but like nobody, no crime ever so briefly nudged it just because it was such a, a clear bop where like we mm. mentioned this multiple times about this record where none of the songs really like stood out at first listen except for nobody no crime weirdly but the more that you listen to the album the more nobody no crime just plummeted and the other songs elevated above it uh the second listen took it for me though because like yeah we were as soon as after the first listen we immediately started making our rankings and nobody no crime is at one one for literally five minutes and the second time i listened to the album i'm like all right tis the damn season right above that now uh, mm-hmm. And it just never left that spot. Yep. The vibe of the song just like slowly grows over time. Like you listen to it and you're like, no, I do really like this. But I remember also just loving how much she said damn in the song because I was tracking to prove you wrong mm-hmm. so that I can win that iced coffee on the bet of how many times she curses on Evermore versus Folklore. So it's just just the damn season. Just damn, damn. I just it was great. It was a great time. But that was my first impression of it. I, I I mean, it's funny. I love, we love songs where she curses. Like, there's like, mm-hmm. there's like this weird bonus to the song. And it's, it, she doesn't curse that. Like, I mean, it depends on what your, your definition of a curse word is. I know television doesn't see damn as too bad of a word. I generally don't either. But some people think, some people think shut up is a bad word. So it's all, mm. it's all relative. Uh, but like this one, nothing really crazy in the curse word category, but just hearing Taylor Swift constantly say tis the damn season. And it's such a mood. Like it's such like I'm amazed that th- it sounds like a saying that's been said for forever. And is it? Because I don't think it is. Tis the season obviously is. But yeah. like tis the damn season, just adding that little anger, that little mm-hmm. like fight in it makes it so interesting. So what are so our current impressions of the song? Uh, now that I've had, I've probably listened to this song. I don't even want to know. So much, like a lot. Like, I'm pretty sure I put it on repeat to go to bed. Like, it's it's still on repeat to this day, four months after the fact. But the reason I think I like this song so much is it does feel like it does a little bit of everything on Evermore, but like in the best way. I think so the riff in the beginning it just bops like you the do 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 like that part just like it's very catchy it's an amazing opening riff just like Willow which is the poppy <laughs> like single song it's hopelessly sad and depressing and has like a really sad story like Champagne Problems does and a phenomenal bridge like Champagne Problems does I would say Champagne Problems definitely has a better bridge but it's it's close it's really close for me at least it's part of the dorothea story like gold rush and dorothea is it has odd high and low like register singing like some weird falsetto and some weird low in it but i like like happiness does but i think she nails it and it fits the song better than it does in happiness and again in my opinion Mm-hmm. But I think the thing that stands out to me the most about this song is the cadence. And and when we we'll go into more depth about it when we talk about the lyrics and we've spoken about cadence a lot in this era, especially in folklore, but she has been hitting us with so many rapid words that just sound good. And like when you take a writing class or a poetry class, you don't really I don't know about you, I hate poetry. I'm not good at it. I don't like reading it. I don't think it's great. But when you hear a poet a really good poet read their their work to you the way it's meant to be read 
Mm-hmm. You hear things in the way that the words sound. Because when you write poetry, you're not just writing, obviously, words on a page. You're writing sounds that sound good together. And that's what good poetry is. And she nails it with this song. She's na- been nailing it with folklore. Like she has some great cadence in folklore. But this song, there are just some rapid words that like really makes it work. She fits in words that don't sound like they should be in a song, but somehow she makes it. And she really hits her stride in this song. And I'll mention more of the specifics when we get into the lyric section. But the cadence on this, this album just or this album and this song just blows me away. Even just the production versus the lyrics and how she delivers it, like they just play so well off of each other. Like the fact that she can listen to this song and know exactly how to bring out the best in it. Mm-hmm. Like Aaron said, like she perfectly encaptures this feeling. But such a top tier song, emotionally, production wise, like I just said, it's this somber but catchy song. And it's this sad, nostalgic feeling that the holidays can really bring out in people. Like the holidays aren't always, you know, holly jolly Christmas and, you know, all this stuff about snow and, oh, it's great. It's a great time. Like a lot of people, as I've been getting older, just really don't like the holiday season, whether it be, you know, family issues or, you know, just spending it alone or X, Y, and Z. Like, it could really be a sad time of the year. And this song just captures it amazingly. Absolutely incredible. All right. So let's get into some uh, lyrics that jumped out to us. So we're going to start off right at the beginning with uh, it's kind of it's the kind of cold fogs up windshield glasses, but I felt it when I passed you. Devin, this sounds so familiar. What other song mm-hmm. starts out the very first line with something about walking past you and... I walked through the door with you. The air was cold. But something about it felt like home somehow. My hometown? Something about it felt like home somehow? No wonder we love this song so much. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... I I remember like listening to this lyric and I'm like this just there's something nagging the back of my neck about this lyric. Why does this feel so familiar? Why does this feel so great? It just it's very all too well vibes because it you, and you get that throughout the entire song. Like it's about a childhood love. Like you show me pictures of like uh, you on the t-ball team. Like you tell me about your past, thinking your future was me. Like but like the the breakup and everything. It's so it's mirrored so well. I know. Um, Parking the car right between the Methodist and the school that used to be ours. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so there. And I love it. I know. So then you have the actual lyric, there's an ache in you put there by the ache in me that Aaron did point out. And, you know, he points out this lyric, but he wrote this music beforehand and it eventually became this song. And there's just really something to this lyric if you want to talk about it yeah so um like we said like he wrote the he wrote the music to this song and this mm-hmm. and somehow and obviously he didn't write the lyric uh it's the, it puts there there's an ache in you put there by the ache in me but so i don't know about you and tell me if i'm crazy i i really because i've listened to the song so much i actually started listening to the production and the music behind it which i usually don't do and in the riff in the beginning it just feels like there's an ache in you put there. Like 
the the riff feels very give and take like the mm-hmm. like it is. you hear the you hear the music move over to one and then come back and move over to one and come back and i learned how to play it on guitar really poorly and <laughs> because i'm not good at guitar but i really wanted to learn it cuz it's such a catchy hook also if you think about it too compare this hook to the beginning of all too well again you get a similar guitar style on there. I just thought about that because I know how to play the the intro riff on All Too Well. It's not the it's not exactly the same, but you get a similar kind of feel to it. It's one string going up and down. Yeah, you are definitely right though, and that's so funny that you mention it because it's one of the first things that I wrote down about the actual music behind this song. So we can get into that a little bit I'm, later. I'm actually but, I yes. have stuff for that that section. I'm so excited to get to the music behind mm-hmm. the song. Um, but yeah, this one, there's this, it, it feels like that riff is a lyric, which is crazy to me. Like it might be one of my favorite lyrics on this album, <laughs> on this track. Yeah. Like it's so good. Uh, but the next lyric that I have is, it's so simple and I don't know how you feel about it. Cause I feel very weird in my like for this lyric, but it's so we could call it even just so we could call it even it just acts off the other line just just that line it's on my phone i don't know if you can see Mm -hmm. it like yeah like yeah whatever it's on my phone so we could call it even it it's on the marquee in my room it's so short it's so simple i just like the idea of like look i don't even the thing that's weird is i don't even know what she's calling even because i don't know what he did to her that would make it even the whole story is her doing bad, quote unquote, bad things and leaving mm-hmm. him, ditching him, coming back, using him, blah, blah, blah. So what's the even we're talking about here? I'm glad you mentioned that because you pointed that out in the Dora Theory episode and you were just like, this is such a, you know, the Dorothy uh, is not a nice girl. Mm-hmm. And what is she even calling even? Like, what did, what did he do? He did nothing. Like, she left him. That was your, yeah. your scorned personality coming out with that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, so we could call it even. It's just such an interesting line. Just like it's it's kind of like the coming to a realization of putting the past behind you. Like, let's just start on an even playing field. But it's it's funny, too, because you think about it the way that is specific. I love the way you said it specifically. The way you say that makes it seem like you're getting ready for a longer term thing. Like, look, mm-hmm. let's put this all behind us. It's just the future. But then the future is literally two weeks or a week of holidays. Like, she knows she's not staying. She knows this future is not a thing. So. But it's the damn season to try. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's cuffing season. You want someone <laughs> to hold during the holidays and to bring home to your parents and do all these cute wintery date ideas with. Like, it's that's the time. Yeah. It's, you know. You want to put it behind you. Uh, yeah, and then you put it together with the next line, and we start to see the cadence that we were talking about. So we can call it even. You can call me babe for the weekend. Like, mm-hmm. we get these really quick rhymes, these really short one-syllable words, and then match it with, you could call me babe for the weekend. Like, you, sh- this is where the, the cadence starts to become pronounced. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get to the next line, and we have talked about this at length a lot. Uh, the road not taken looks real good now. Uh, chalk this up to another Robert Frost reference. We speak about this poem all the time on this podcast because Taylor seems to absolutely love it. Uh, we mentioned it last on our illicit fairs breakdown, but 
like like we said she just loves this poem and this idea of this road less mm-hmm. traveled I will say it is worth repeating. So if you did listen to Listen Affairs episode, go back, re-listen. But we'll we'll make an, the the same point that most people look at this poem as saying that the road less traveled made all the difference. That's the line in the poem. Um, I took the road less traveled, and that's that made all the difference. Uh, and it, they think that it means that the the choice was a better one. Taking the road less traveled, like they all like the adage is always take the road less traveled whenever you get a chance because it's always the right option. But that's not what the poem is saying at all. The poem is just saying that it was a major factor in where he is, not that it made his life better or worse. And I think this is Taylor showing that, that it's not always better to take the road less traveled because Dorothea took the road less traveled. She left town. She became a star. Unlike the rest of her classmates, they all stayed in their hometown. She pursued a a high-profile career, and the road more traveled, staying in the hometown, settling down, having a life, having kids, is something that now she yearns for. She wished she didn't take the road less traveled. Well, I don't even know if it's she did take the road less traveled because the line itself, the road not taken. Mm -hmm. So it's not defining like, okay, well... You know, the fame and fortune route is the one that's more traveled or less traveled. It's just the point of the song that you point out that it made all the difference. Yeah. If she took this other road, it would have made all the difference. And that's looking like a better option to her. Right that's now. a good point. That, yeah, I don't think it needs to. I don't think you need to correlate exactly the less traveled versus the more traveled yeah. path. I think it's just she chose a path and that's what made the difference. Not that it made it for the better or for the worse. It's just mm-hmm. that choice that path made a huge difference and i love that she's playing with that in this song like i can see that being an obsession of hers she mentioned this poem for the first time in the outside on her self-titled album and i don't think she's made a reference to it since until folklore with illicit affairs but now we get it back to back in sister albums which is really interesting Mm -hmm. uh the next line that is actually really interesting. I didn't notice this until I started, again, doing more research, but the holidays linger like bad perfume. This is some some vocab that we get a lot in Taylor's uh, lyrics. For number one, I didn't note this, but uh, there's another line, uh, linger, I knew you'd linger like a tattooed kiss. She's mm-hmm. using that linger a lot. There's there's that kind of, It's a, this is a very lingery, <laughs> oh God, I don't like that at all. Very linger-focused album uh, song but she also mentions perfume in illicit affairs like we mentioned tied to the mm-hmm. first the last uh, lyric we talked to talked about uh, leave the perfume on the shelf that you picked out just for him so you leave no trace behind like you don't even exist which is interesting it's the the dichotomy there leaving the perfume on the shelf like you don't no trace behind like you don't even exist but then the holidays linger like a bad perfume showing that it it you did leave a trace behind yeah, and even just the holidays in general, if you're not someone who enjoys the holidays, like it seems like Dorothea isn't the kind of person who likes the holidays, you know, tis the damn season. The the holidays can drag out for a while. Like you have all of these people talking about it and if you just want it to be over, like they'll linger on. And even after, you know, the holidays end, whatever holiday you celebrate, it feels like that feeling lingers until until like January. And it's, it's like still there. You get that holiday hangover like after and you go into work and you're like, I don't, I don't, what do I, what am I, what? <laughs> you're just like yeah. so confused. Like, what am I doing? Yeah. No, I, I love, I love that uh, metaphor. 
Or I guess it's a simile because it uses like or as. <laughs> Can I read this next one? Please. Because I want to clap it out. Please okay. do. The cadence in this line. Time flies, messy as the mud on your truck tires. Now I'm missing your smile. Hear me out. Ugh. Oh my, this, Bam. this line, it's interesting. This line is not in the first chorus, mm-hmm. which is really fascinating. She, she elongates the chorus after the first, uh, playthrough, but this, this line might be what made the, the, the song for me. Cause I live for this, the cadence of how she just delivers these lyrics and even just the implications of it too like you know the fact that oh time flies since we've been in high school time is messy as the mud on your truck tires it's like now i'm missing your smile hear me out like she's trying to convince him mm-hmm. to to go on this journey with her the it's just it rolls so well the double alliteration of messy mud truck tires truck tires the flow is incredible and i think the thing that really gets it too is the hear me out at the end it's mm-hmm. such a good break because like you you feel when you're listening you feel this momentum from hearing you 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 hear the beginning of time flies pause messy as the mud on your truck tires now i'm missing you and you feel like you're going downhill as you're mm-hmm. as you're singing this song you're just going so fast because now i'm missing your smile and then it just it feels like you hit a brick wall and it just hear me out mm-hmm. and it's just it's like it's like the uh, punctuation of the song it's all pulled the momentum is stopped and you're all pulled out to listen to hear me out and it just it's like when you're in like watching a movie and like they're in this busy like grand central station or something and like the the character says words that just stop everything and all the sound mm-hmm. drains and you just hear hear me out like oh my God. then the next line I won't ask you to wait if you don't ask me to stay. What a line. It's so in depressing. Mm-hmm. Like it's 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 just such a depressing unspoken law between these two people. It's just that's just so heartbreaking. And even more so that she's saying it. Like, I won't ask you to wait if you don't ask me to stay. Like they know when she comes over, uh, you do not ask me to stay with you. We, we've had this discussion. We've had this argument. This has happened before. You know not to ask me to stay, and I won't ask you to wait for me and, to come back. And even just, like, you think about this, this is probably such a common theme in their relationship. Like, sh- like we talked about this in our Dorothea, uh, Dorothea episode, but to quickly um, summarize that, you know, she was going to leave to become an actress. He never asked her to stay. And so because of that, she didn't ask him to wait for her. It's like, like you said, unspoken, like these feelings that, well, I would have stayed if you asked. Or it's like, well, I would have waited for you if you told me you were going to come back to me or something like that. And it's so sad. I just, I can't, I love this song so much, guys. Like, I just, I really do. I can't get over it. Um, The next line we're not even going to talk about it right now because it belongs in the in the music portion. So I'll go back to L.A. when my soul leaves my body every time I hear it. This is so I'll go back to L.A. is the he looks up grinning like a devil of the folk more era for me. Like I I can't get over it. 
I never will get over it, and I'm going to scream it. Whenever, whenever it comes on, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing, which makes it very hard when I'm listening to it on repeat because every three minutes I have to stop what I'm doing and scream, so I'll go back to L.A. And we'll talk uh-huh. about everything around that line in the music because there's so much going mm-hmm. on there. The next, the next line is, who can tell which smiles I'm faking, which is a nice callback to the podcast's favorite song, The Way I Loved You, He Can't See the Smile I'm Faking. But mm-hmm. just a little nice nod that I wanted to point out. And the last two lines that break my heart every time from the very beginning when we first listened to the song. And the heart I know I'm breaking is my own to leave the warmest bed I've ever known. Like, sad, 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 sad. I know that's your favorite lyric right there is the, to leave mm-hmm. the warmest bed I've ever known sob just like she's breaking her own heart it's like then why don't you just stay (laughs) it still pisses me off that line still pisses me off because like come on you're not the only one Mm -hmm. whose heart's being broken right now like (sighs) i know okay well my favorite part of these song breakdowns let's get into the music behind the lyrics so these three minutes and 50 seconds of heartbreak are an f major and it's at 146 bpm so pretty standard but on the higher register i can see the 146 that sounds so high Mm -hmm. it's not as high as you know other songs but it is higher on the album okay there's some instruments in there there's a lot of instruments in here i had to google a couple of these so there's a violin pretty standard for this era there's a trombone which is pretty cool uh, synthesizer. There's a lap steel guitar, which is exactly what you think it is. It's a the steel guitar. Uh, sometimes it's just shaped like a box. Sometimes it's shaped like an actual like guitar looking thing. But you just play it, it like a pedal steel. Yeah, like you play it on your lap, and you can like pick it and use some other things. But it's just you're playing it on your lap, and this is steel guitar sound. So then the next thing is a harmonium. So it's like this tiny box looking organ and depending on like the kind of model you get like you can open it up and like pull the keyboard out so kind of like accordion style where it's like there's air that goes through these reeds when you play it it's called a pump organ and i don't believe you have to pump anything but when you pump the keys down the air flows out and there's different knobs like you would see on an organ so you can like sustain some notes sometimes you can do this like extended staccato like it's cool it's a really cool instrument There's the Hammond B3, which is a type of organ. There's the cello, bass, there's a drum machine, keyboards, piano, electric guitar, acoustic guitar. Lots of instruments in the song. Not as much of an orchestra as you see in some other songs like Betty, but still a really good lineup. So earlier you mentioned, you know, the feeling of the song, the ache, and you definitely feel that in the opening riff, which is exactly what you talked about, and let me explain why. So you have this guitar riff, which really doesn't sound too sad on its own. That do 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 do. But then you have these couple of like bass notes that come in that go directly opposite of it. So the guitar riff travels up. It's do 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 do, and then the bass goes do do and just brings you down. So it's like the combative, like opposite nature of these two. It's like you're lifting up, but you're also sad about it. And it's uh, the bass like grounds the high notes it's like if the lyrical content of i almost do was like people in their 30s and now it's a, like a musical riff it's it's interesting you said because like yeah like that's what this song kind of embodies to me is it, you're technically going up 
because you're mm-hmm. you're meeting with this uh this guy again and you're happy to be seeing him again you're happy to be around him but it's also just down because like the whole time you're thinking this isn't gonna last forever i'm gonna leave again i'm gonna break my own heart again and it's bittersweet yeah it's oh my gosh and her tone in the very first lines you know if i wanted to know who you were hanging with while i was gone i would have asked you her tone is as cold as that windshield glass in the first line like it just cuts right into you she's not playing around she's bitter she doesn't want to know who you've been hanging out with she doesn't care like why are you even mentioning it to her so Devin, you ready for me to teach you about music i would love that and i would love nothing more so this is the only song i've ever felt like i've actually listened and heard things in this song that I've never really paid attention to or heard in other songs. So something that really interesting that, that popped out to me was in the, the second chorus. This is again, the second chorus is where we get the time flies verse or whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, it ups the tempo of the song and you hear a hi-hat get introduced into this chorus throughout the whole chorus. And then the hi-hat continues to emphasize and match the timing with the words in the bridge to expose that cadence that we were talking about earlier. The sleeping half the day just for all time. Sa- and like the, the, the snare hits on every syllable in that sentence. So another really cool thing is that the hi-hat isn't just playing on the on beats, but it's also playing the off beat occasionally, which makes it sound like it's playing you in. So like, for example, if your beat is one, two, three, four, okay, I need like two hands. If it's, I'm gonna snap, it's like one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four, one, like the off beat. So that's what like pulls you in even more because it's not just, it's not just what you know it's like it's giving you what it is but it's also like it's giving you a tumble like it's it's pulling you in a little bit more mm-hmm. and also the sleep in half the day the da 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 the melody is a mirror image of the guitar image uh the guitar riff at the end of the choruses so um oh the end of the chorus so, um and it always leads to in my hometown like the, the end riff because it's usually the do 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 do, but it's it's the exact same melody, and that's why when you end the chorus and you go right into sleep in half the day, it's it's the same thing repeated, wow. but it sounds different. Yeah, now, now that now, now that like I put the notes together in my head, which I can't generally do. Oh my gosh, I love the song. Oh my gosh. All right, so I have more things to teach you though. Are you ready for this? I have been yes. talking about this, and you can attest to this since. December 15th and I have I will die on this hill that there is something that happens when she says so I'll go back to LA and I have been listening to this scrut with scrutiny great scrutiny trying to find what it is around the words so I'll go back to LA that just pulls this feeling this something out of me and I think I found it, but please tell me if I'm wrong. So once we hit the so aisle, the hi-hat cuts off entirely and we get a low hat. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not as sharp as the hi-hat is. I don't know exactly what they're playing, but it's a, like a dampened. It's the same beat, but it's it's dampened. It's muted or something. And it's not as like jarring or cutting. And we hear a new note 
a new wave of sound kind of like wash over the song. It feels like we went through a tunnel and the percussion gets muted. Everything but this clean note just comes out and a refreshing change hits us. And that helps us focus more on the lyrics and the singer themselves as opposed to what's going on, like the the crazy hi-hat and all of that stuff going on there. And that's really where you start to hear the violin and the cello like just piercing through like that's really what's taking you and traveling with you and it's not you know the soaring strings of a typical love theme but it's these strings that have some kind of you know emotional depth to them when she's like so i'll go back to la and it's bittersweet these friends that you know are not my real friends and they can't they don't know me like you it's like this bittersweet entanglement of the feelings of love or whatever she has for this guy that she's leaving behind and then the percussion drops out entirely and we're left with the words to leave the warmest bed i've ever known and the lead riff slowly creeps in towards the end and like this is quintessential taylor like this whole bridge reeks of the tunnel theory that we mentioned way back in our episode breaking down lover where jack describes the uh the chorus or the bridge as a break from the rest of the song like looking at all of the beauty going uh, on the mountainside and then going through a tunnel where it's all gone and you're just in this different world and then emerging out the other side and right back staring at the foliage. Mm-hmm. And it's just this sustained resonance noise and it's it's lingering. It's lingering like bad perfume. It's just that's the note that's just being sustained. Like you just hear this like a little atmospheric kind of note to it. I, I love, I just, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about the music. That's all I have. I'm, did I do well? Did I do? <laughs> you did, you did. I'm very impressed. That was the first time I ever like thought I heard things in a song that I didn't. Because every time we do this section of the podcast, Devin explains something and I go, there's no way that's in there. <laughs> So, I mean, we could... Do you have any closing... I think I think I got it all out of my system. Yeah. I think we're good. I don't think we have any closing statements. But if you liked what you heard, please, if you have an Apple device, be sure to give us a review and a five-star rating on Apple. Uh, they really help us with the algorithms. Tell a friend about us if you know someone who likes Swift. Yeah, and make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to see our beautiful faces when we talk about this. We are at We Need to Calm Down Podcast pretty much everywhere. We're most active on YouTube and on Instagram. If you have a suggestion for an episode, drop us a comment or a DM. We love hearing from you guys. We are hype because the next episode is our 50th episode. We've been doing this for a little bit. It's crazy. Insane to me. Insane to me. So... We love hearing from you guys. Always feel free to, to uh, drop us a DM or a comment. Yeah, and aside from that, thank you so much for listening. We will see you um, two Tuesdays from now, whatever <laughs> date that is. I don't know. So not this next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after that. Either way, come back. We'll be here. <laughs>